Well, I can't talk about anything else right now except this journey into His presence. For me personally, it really began in Luke 11 when He was having me teach there again. Because, thank God He's brought us past the longer cars and VCR stage, you know. While we were children, He gave us many toys and taught us how much He loved us and blessed us. And that's, that's okay. But where we are now, it's all about revival. It's all about His kingdom. When the disciples asked Him to teach them how to pray, and He, he taught them how with the Lord's Prayer, but then He gave them that example. See, because now it's not so much about going to Him for our needs. It's, Lord, I have a friend that's come. And I don't have any bread to give Him, Lord. I, I have a friend in Immokalee right now that's blind, and he needs the bread of sight. I don't have tons of money, but I'll tell you right, I would empty every every penny that I have. If there was a place where I could send Homer, I'd just be more than happy to do it. If there was a place I could send Homer, in the natural or in the spirit, where I could, where he could receive his sight. Multiply that by a thousand for all of those bald-headed kids that are in the cancer wards around the country. So our, for me personally, the, the journey for me really began there in Luke 11 because Jesus plainly says, He said, your father is not like this, not like that stingy guy behind the wall. Go away, don't bother me. I'm already in bed. You, I have the bread, but you can't have it, basically. And Jesus told us, He said, our, your father is not like that. He said, if you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, won't you, Father, give you all the bread that you need? And he says he'll give you the Holy Spirit, who is the manifester of the bread. Now, we know Jesus is the bread, but the Holy Spirit is the one that manifests that bread on planet Earth. And I'd read that, and I'd read that, and I'd go, and I'd pray, and for years now I'd pray, Father, give me the bread, give me the bread. But see, there was a part of that teaching that I either <laughs> I missed, skipped, didn't pay attention to, because right in the middle of it, he says, ask, seek, and knock, and the door will be open to you. And then one, one glorious day, it finally dawned on me, my goodness, I'm, that's talking about entering in to where the Father is. And I told you about the little mini vision I had. It's Gary was, my attitude was like, I'm standing out here on the porch. I'm knocking on the door. I'm asking for the bread and I'm expecting the biscuits. You know, I'm from the South. Bread is biscuits. <laughs> I'm expecting biscuits to come, you know, okay. Biscuits come flying over the wall. Well, if that's how it's going to work, then why does he say knock? And I said, oh my goodness. The question was, teach us how to pray. First words out of his mouth was, Our Father. Jesus is talking about going into the Father's presence and receiving directly from him, not standing out on the porch. Then it reminded I'm following the pictures again. You know what's happening. Then I saw I was more like the elder son who never did go 
says, I, I never went into the world like the prodigal, you know. I didn't go spend your inheritance on harlots. Riotous living, isn't the King James nice? <laughs> Riotous living, oh yeah. No, I stayed in your fields, Father. And really, he was upset that the father received the prodigal back the way that he did. And I saw I was more like him than I wanted to admit. Because, I mean, I have been the prodigal, and I have been the elder son. <laughs> what, what do you mean you're the elder son? Well, I got saved, come over into the kingdom of God, and I, I haven't really ever gone back into the world again. I've labored in my father's fields. But see, here's what you can tell for sure about that elder son. He may have stayed and labored in his father's fields, all right. But I can tell you one thing. He never spent much time in fellowship with his father. Well, how do you know that? And again, I have to give you the pictures that he gives me, see. Because it says in that story, that when the, when the prodigal started his journey home, says the father saw him from a long way off. Well, how did that happen? He was looking. The way I see it, if heaven has a porch or a front big window or something, I just see it like the father. His heart was always... He'd, that sin of the son never changed the father's love for that prodigal. And he'd, he'd look out the window. He'd go out on the porch every day looking down that... That long road. Every day. Every day. Maybe today's the day my boy's coming home. If the prodigal would have ever come, no, excuse me, if the elder son during that time period would have ever come in and spent any time with the father, said, you know, Father, I, I just want to come spend some time with you. What's on your heart? He would have noticed right away that the father's eyes kept looking out the window, even while he's talking with him. And every now and then, the father would walk out on the porch. And said, Father, what are you doing? He'd have found out real, real quick where the father's heart was. He was for that one that was lost. I'm afraid I've been too much like that elder son laboring in the father's fields you know everything is good it's not wrong to labor in your father's fields but there's no substitute for time with him there is no substitute for being in his presence and finding out what's on his heart and I know that this revival this one is going to be known as a presence revival I only know that because he told me it's going to be known in history if he tarries as a presence revival. And all kinds of things will be told about how the cloud came in and or how the presence, whether you see a cloud or not, how the presence was so thick. Not a baby would cry. Nobody would hardly move. The presence would come and just miraculous, supernatural things happen. So that's how this really began for me. And I, I, I saw it. I said, well, Lord, I don't know much about entering into your presence. You know, and I, I've admitted to my shame that the shortest leg on my table has been the worship limb. Used to be fasting, I think. 
done better with that. That's worship. And I've been, I've been pressing in. I'm just, I don't know how to teach without telling, you know. It's no, I'm, I'm still mostly dry times. Like Dave would talk about, where every word is just like this. It just seems like he's not even receiving this, you know. It's just so dry for most, most of the time. I've had a few moments. Not many. So I've been asking him, Lord, I don't know much about this. I don't know how to, I don't, I mean, worship, I can do that. But I don't really know much about, and it says ask, seek, and knock. I'm doing that. Help me. And he does. It's amazing how he does. Because then, to show me more about entering into his presence, all of a sudden, I don't even now, I'm trying to remember how he got me into it. But he started having me study Moses up on the mountain and also the tabernacle now not the temple later but the tabernacle that Moses built in the wilderness there's so much there about entering into the presence of God first of all I keep seeing this see we've got to get this straight is God everywhere so in that sense of the word his presence is everywhere but let me ask you (laughs) if you can see a picture of Mount Sinai like like the people saw it. Moses is up there where the dark clouds and the thunder and the voice and the sound of a trumpet that kept getting louder and louder and and even earthquakes and it scared them so bad they they backed off. <laughs> God is everywhere, right? But would you say the presence, manifested presence, was different at the foot of the mountain? Than it was at the top of the mountain. Well, I would say so. See, there's a he is everywhere, but there's a difference, and he he's even been dealing with this. You know, it, you remember. Listen, if you're if you're filled, if you can speak in other tongues, if you can do that, if you have if God if you have been baptized in the Holy Ghost to to the point you can speak in other tongues. Well, you can't do that without the presence of the Holy Spirit. Dave taught us eloquently that it is the Spirit that gives the utterance. He is creating the syllables. And there's a transfer from his mind to your spiritual mind so that you can speak those words. But it's not you originating them. It's the Holy Spirit making intercession for you as he gives, he gives the utterance. So that was, a leg, that was a milestone on this journey. I said, well, Lord, I've got the presence of the Holy Spirit if I can speak in tongues for sure and everybody else does too you have him too but again there's a difference at the foot of the mountain than there is at the top of the mountain see and I'd never seen it before how many times can you read the Bible and not see stuff you know God I had never noticed before I'm reading through Exodus again that time that wasn't the first time but the time that he had Joshua go up with him now the elders could only go up so far Joshua went to the top of the mountain and the cloud was there they're just I can the way I picture it here's Moses and Joshua they've obeyed God gone right up to the top of the mountain but they've not entered into the cloud yet they're there's the cloud. They're seated just outside. Can you picture that? They're, somehow they're worshiping or seated 
And it says, God did not speak with them. And Moses did not enter the cloud for six days. Now you, you talk about a picture of waiting on God. And you're at the top of the mountain. I mean, his presence is right there. I have had moments like that, haven't you? Where God, I can almost... <laughs> you're just almost... You won't put your hand in the cloud, you know. And we're not told why he didn't speak to them. For, it's interesting to me, six days. Six is the number of man. It was on the seventh day. Seventh day that God spoke and told Moses to come in. But even then, Joshua, he didn't go in. He didn't get to go into the presence. I never had thought about Joshua. He stayed just outside by, by a commandment. Now, wouldn't, he didn't have a choice. But he, he stayed just outside for 34 days. And as far as the Bible says, we're not, we're not told that God ever said a word to him. I don't know whether he fasted also. We're not told. I know he didn't leave because he was there when Moses came out 34 days later. This is all to do with presence, our journey into his presence. What if you're on this journey and you're, you're doing your best to, this is, I think I'm kind of where Joshua is in a way. I've been trying to climb this mountain of worship and get into his presence, you know, more. And I can get close, I mean, and, and I've had taste. I, I'd be lying if I said I haven't had a little taste. I have. This little taste. But for the most part, it's been sitting just outside the glory. What am I supposed to do? Well, what did Joshua do? Stayed. Don't go down the mountain. Don't stop. Wait on God. We've got a lot to learn yet about waiting on God. I did have some days similar to that at the ugly building. I don't know that it was ever, well, I know it was never 34 days. <laughs> but I had some six-day times, I think, a few, where I'd pray. I mean, pray to your, how did Dave say it? To your lips roll off on the floor, pick them up, and pray some more. And just nothing, you know, don't hear anything, don't feel anything. Dry times, cracker juice. Pray some more. Wait on God. But eventually it'd come again. Eventually it'd come, see. We can't stop this journey that we're on. The most recent instruction that I remember coming through Pastor Bronk. Whatever you did in the year 2020, and he's talking about the separation time, the worship time, come away with me time, the word time, everything that he said. He says, whatever you did in the year 2020, do at least that in 2021. So he's been showing me that there's a, there's a presence that we're going to enter and that Jesus has paid the way because he showed me, he showed me that. He's still showing me things out of, I'm re, re, just, I just read Exodus again and again. 
still showing me things. But then he took me to the tabernacle and gave me a simple little drawing of the tabernacle that somebody did. And uh, boy, there's so much you could teach month-long seminar, seminars from the tabernacle. But the part that's important for us, yeah, I think he's going to have me capsulize today. Because there was three basic areas of that tabernacle. Now, and again, I'm not talking the temple. I'm talking the tabernacle, which, by the way, Moses had to make exactly by the pattern that God gave him. And that pattern is a pattern of the real one that's in heaven. But in the, the tabernacle, there was three courts. There was an outer court. And uh, in the outer court was where the blood sacrifice was made. So there was the brazen altar. And there was the laver that was filled with water where you could wash. And that's really the only part where the people, that normal people, could come uh, for the tabernacle. But it was a while before I noticed in that drawing that there's also a wall made even around all of that. In other words, around the whole tent of meeting, around the whole tent and that outer court, there is a wall. So even there, there's a separation from the world. There, and you can't see over it. It's taller than a man. You know. So there has to be some separation from the world. But the, in the outer court, this is where Christians start. Doesn't it start with the blood? Starts with the blood and the washing of the water of the word. That's where we all start. And thank God for that, and thank God it separates you from the world. But see, in the outer court, you're open to the sky. And the light that you walk by is still pretty much the light of this natural world. Even though you love God, you're, you're saved by the blood and being washed by the, the water of the word. But still, mostly you're understanding your, the, what the, let me say it this way, the light that you're living by is pretty much the light that comes from the natural world. Now the next chamber is called the holy place. It's not the holy of holies, but it's the holy place. And it's a tent made out of heavy animal skins. I think it was badger. I don't, I'd have to go back and read again. But it's, 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 a, it's heavy enough where no light permeates it. And it's got a veil. You have to enter it through a thick curtain. Now, if you was if there was no candle lit in there, what happens when you when you walk in there? You leave the light of this natural world, and if there's no light in there, I mean it's completely dark. But thank God there is a light in there, and you've seen it. It's that seven, what the menorah? Isn't that what they call it? The menorah, seven candles. What's the purpose of that? Well, see, now you're entering into that place where you're no longer living by the light of this natural world. Your mind is starting to be renewed now, and you're living by the light that comes from Christ. I am the light of the world. The entrance of His Word bringeth light. You're starting now to learn to walk with Him in a whole different way. You were saved before. You mean you were saved by the blood. A lot of people are going to be in heaven. Thank God for the blood of the Lamb. But a lot of people are going to walk by this natural light. And I think that's where the church has done a lot. You know. But see that, that, that holy place. Now this is where you 
You start, see, yes, sir, John 8, 8, 12. Those that follow me, I am the light of the world, Jesus says. Those that follow me shall not walk in darkness, but they shall have the light of life. That in, that middle chamber is where you start learning to walk by that light, because the only light in there comes from those that candle, the menorah, the light of Christ. There's two other things in there. One of them is the table, the golden table that had the showbread on it. Well, that's your bread. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. I am the manna. I am the bread that came down from heaven. So you're learning to walk by the light of his of his understanding. You're starting not to do things like the world anymore. You're you're learning to live by the light of Christ. Really, we could take that even to the new nature, really. You're learning to follow Him by the light that comes from the new nature on the inside of you instead of what the world says is okay. And uh, to me, eating that bread every day, I am the Word. I am the life. You know, you're being transformed. You are literally what you eat. If you don't believe that, just eat bacon grease for a year and see what your body becomes, you know. You'll find that, or, or donuts for you. Just, just don't. I'm eating. I'm going on the donut diet. Yeah, well, your body will become something that you don't like. But see, Jesus is our bread. I like it also. He called. He said, "Healing is the children's bread." You get healed in there too. See, it's everything. And there's one other thing in that part of the tabernacle. Or not yes, the tabernacle, and that's the incense. Boy, that's such a type of learning to pray and offer up the... In the book of Revelation, it says angels actually help gather up those prayers and they put them in these bowls. I don't understand all of that. When the bowls get full, then God pours it out and the answer comes, you know. I don't understand all of that yet. We've got a lot to learn. But see, as good as that is, I mean, it's really good. You've, you've, you've left the world. You're not living by the light of this natural world anymore. Now you're learning to live by the light of life that comes from the new nature. You're eating the Word of God, which is your daily bread. Your, your body's getting healed. Your, everything's getting better. I believe that's the room where you come off drugs and come off alcohol and all kinds of things. And, and, uh, and he's, your prayers are going up to God. It's a good, good room, but still, you're not in His presence. Not in the fullness of it, because there's one more room in there. And that's called the Holy of Holies. And that's what's in there. His manifested presence. Well, how strong was that presence? Was it really there or not there? Well, ask the priests. <laughs> there was strict rules about how you washed and how you cleansed and how you prepared and you better go through it carefully before you went behind there and you're only allowed to do that once a year now you got to remember yes sir i forgot this part now you got to remember the common person the average had dave would say mary wallpaper joe public the only part of that tabernacle they ever got to go into was the outer court only the priests and the Levites could go into even the middle court. And they could not go 
into the Holy of Holies. Only the high priest and only once a year. And he better make sure that he has done his cleansing correctly. Because they tied a, a rope around his ankle just in case he fell dead in there. They'd drag him out and ask for the next one. <laughs> next. You know. So you, you could perfectly, not see types and shadows, you could perfectly keep the law. Nah, sorry, nobody could perfectly keep the law. You, you could do it the way Paul said he did it, which is if you, you do your best to keep it, and every time you don't keep it, then you offer the appropriate sacrifice, then you are, quote, blameless. Okay? So you're a person that could live like that and just really do good. Now, there's none right, you know, nobody perfectly, but you could really do good, and still you would never, ever, ever even, even be allowed into the middle room under the old covenant much less the holy of holies see only the priests again were allowed into the middle room how many know god has made us kings and priests see i can't speak for everybody i'll just speak for gary i think gary has spent the last 25 years mostly in the middle room and that's not a bad thing I've learned so much. I've, I've uh, changed. If you really knew who Jesus started with, you'd <laughs> changed a lot. Okay. I'm hardly the same person. But I've still been a lot like that elder son. I have not. Not. Yes, sir. Okay. I w- I've been a whole lot again like the people at the foot of the mountain in a way. Moses, you go up and talk to God. Uh, if he talks to me, I'm going to die. Well, that, that's the flesh, see. That's, or the soul, the unrenewed soul. Gary's been a lot like that. See, and Dave taught me how to send my spirit up to talk to God by praying in other tongues. Moses, the type and shadow is so perfect. Here's God on top of the mountain, spirit. Moses, you go talk to God. <laughs> then you come back down and tell me what he said. God, it's perfect. It's exactly, it's exactly like, and I've been that, and that's better than not hearing God at all. But by that process, <laughs> my spirit enjoys the fellowship. My soul gets understanding, and that's good. But see, my soul by that method doesn't really go in there with God. So let's talk now. Under the under that old covenant, even the priests, even the Levites, they could not go into the Holy of Holies where the manifested presence of God is. So on this journey the other day, right before Easter, you had me watch The Passion of the Christ again, that movie by Mel Gibson. It had been quite a few years since I'd watched it. Oh, my Lord. It did a pretty good job of showing the price that he paid. I mean, it's when I say pretty good job, it's be- the best I've ever seen. But from what I've studied, I know that it was even worse than that. It was worse than that. But it's watching that movie again. If you if you if you can make it through that movie, without it reminding you how much he loves you, 
that he would do that. No other reason. No other reason. But to pay the price for my sin. Just love alone. No motivation other than love. In this part, they don't really talk about it in the movie, but when he gave up the ghost, when he when his when his spirit died. What I mean by that is when his spirit left his body. The body without the spirit is dead. It says at that same moment, that veil, that heavy curtain, the the curtain that separated the manifest, I mean the manifested presence of God, the thing that kept man from going in there, was ripped from the top to the bottom. In the book of Hebrews says, Brethren, He has made a new and living way for us to enter into the holiest of all. Because that veil, the veil that was, was there, was done away by the body of Christ. Let us, let us enter, let us come boldly now to the throne of grace. Boldly. Not arrogantly. How about confidently? I have a right to be here. I have a right to come in here. Of course, the Father's not unhappy to see you. He's happy to see you. This all has to do somehow with asking, seeking, knocking that I'll know under, I'll understand better later. But this is all part of it, how we can literally enter into the manifest presence of God. You say, well, well your spirit could always do that. Yeah. Somehow my soul is entering into this too. And I can tell it because it's having an effect on my heart. It's having an effect on my emotions. Now most of the time still it's dry as cracker juice. Thank God for Pastor Dave warning us ahead of time. Thank God. I know not to stop. I know to keep going. But I am determined. If that's where the bread is. Actually it's even more than that. At first I was all about the bread. Now it's all about him. It's just all about him. Two of the lines in that song that I, that Stacy and the, the worship team was singing. <clears throat> says, I'm sorry when I came with my agenda. I'm sorry when I came with my agenda. And I'm sorry when I forgot that you're enough. Boy, he is. He is enough. It's absolutely enough. And the words of that song have become my anthem right now. I just want you. Nothing else. I just want you. And then he said it this way to me. I, it's got to do with the revival. I don't know much about it yet. But I heard him say this. He says, When you spend time in my presence, 
my presence gets in you. See, in Moses, when he came out of that cloud, he had been in such a in the presence of God for 34 days. It affected even his flesh. It said his face shined. Because he'd been in the presence and the glory of God. He didn't do anything to make that happen except be there. But it changed how he appeared. It changed how people saw him. It, it, he had to put a veil. It scared him. He had to put a veil on his face. You know, I don't care about shining like that. I want to come out of those times though, with, a, with, with his presence. See, and somehow his presence is the bread. It is. So I already have the Holy Ghost. Yes, so do I. I can pray in tongues. So can you. We do have it. But there's a difference at the foot of the mountain. There's a difference in the outer court than there is in the Holy of Holies. It's all God. So now I, I am determined not to just labor in my father's fields although I'm going to continue laboring in my father's fields I am determined I'm going I'm going to ask seek and knock I'm going in I'm not going to stand on the porch yesterday and I saw a vision I saw I got a teaching vision I don't mean to sound spiritual you know what the porch is he just showed me so clear I've been to me it started off I was on the porch it's where you stand just outside the Holy of Holies. That's where it is. And and I was thinking the veil was still there. And the truth of it is that veil has been done away in Christ. Now I did see this. This is the way I've seen it so far. And there may be adjustments later. But I still was having trouble going beyond there because of Gary. <laughs> so what I saw now. And this I may have to adjust this as time. I've sent this part out to others to judge and help me I said father I'm still having trouble going in there I know what your word says and I'm supposed to come boldly I know my sp- I know but I'm <laughs> and then I saw this it's all I know I'll just share it for now and have mercy if I have to explain different later but the, for me now the way I can go in there here's Gary standing in front of an open veil and I still can't go in I saw this I saw my flesh fall off of me like I had a bathrobe on almost you know (laughs) and I saw my flesh just crumple at my feet like I just dropped a bathrobe I wasn't naked though when that when that (laughs) my bathrobe is blue I'm sorry when my blue bathrobe came off I had on a white robe I had on a white robe under here that guy could go in. <laughs> right now, it's the only way I can go. But see, there's, when I can make that transfer in my soul, I can make that adjustment. I'm not going in there, this wormy flesh creature. I'm going in there as Gary, son of the living God. Bought and paid for by the blood of the Lamb. Made made new in the family of God. Jesus is not ashamed to call me one of his brethren. 
Now, that Gary that's clothed in the white robe can walk right in there, and I have been. I, I see this in my mind. I'll try to do it. During the prayer times here, I'm trying to you know, pray and also spend part of that time learning how to worship. When I can make that adjustment inside of me, I'm going to leave the flesh right here. But Gary, the one dressed in that white robe, the one that the robe of righteousness you gave me. Gary, son of God, because you birthed me again. It's all by grace. I can come in. And I can come boldly to the throne of grace. And I can worship my God. And I remember it helped me so much something Paul Wilbur said on one of his worship videos. I think it's called Worthy. It's 15 minutes long. And right at the beginning of it, Paul Wilbur, he does a little teaching. He's, he's so, he, he says, you, he says, you got to have a little Hebrew. <laughs> he said the Hebrew word for worship is, and I can't say it correctly. I'll try. I can't pronounce it correctly. Shakah. And it's, the way you, you got, it's got to have some phlegm in it. Shakah. You know. It's got a little, when he says it correctly, you can hear the phlegm, you know. And he said originally Hebrew was a word picture language. He says, I don't know exactly what the picture was, but it has to be something like a reed or something that would bow. Because it means to humble yourself. And see, when I heard, when he said that, it means to humble yourself. Then I instantly remembered what the Lord said to me about a year ago through another man. Gary, humble yourself. Humble yourself. Humble yourself. And when you can't humble yourself anymore, then humble yourself some more. And I had, I don't know why, I just had not connected up humble with worship until I heard Paul Wilbur say that about the word shaka. He went on a little bit too. He says, it puts you in a, when you bow like that, and he's talking externally, he says, when you, when you physically bow before the object of your love, you're putting yourself in the most vulnerable position. You can't defend yourself. You're surrendering yourself completely. And you're just adoring the one that's in front of you, not behind you. And you humble yourself there. And you worship. And holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Holy, holy, worthy. Worthy is the Lamb. And then they sing that song, worthy. And it's so anointed, so blessed. So, I pray you're on this journey. I know many of you are probably a long ways ahead of me on this path. And that's my fault, not yours. But I didn't know what else to do this morning. Just share this journey that we're all on. It's, we're, it, it, the blueprint is all about come away with me, my beloved. Come away with me. Spend time with me. Elder son, come out of the field. Prodigal son, repent and come home. And spend time with me. Worship me. Get to know me. If you spend time in my presence, my presence will get in you. 
See, I know that uh, that the end result of this journey, we're going to take the bread to the world. That's the revival. I absolutely believe, no matter what it looks like in the politics in our nation or everything that we see right now, I still believe, I believe, I believe we are on the cusp of the greatest revival mankind has ever seen. See, well, it's getting darker. God does his best work in the dark. You ever read Genesis 1-1? <laughs> darkness covered the face of the deep. Right out of the darkness where there, everything was void and formless, God said, light be. And light was. Yeah. Things might be pretty dark and getting darker by the day right now. It's not going to stop God. It's not going to stop this revival. He's also fine letting me know, and I don't, how to, but don't get lifted up in any pride. We are not the only group that he is working with. I'm finding that out. And I don't mean even just people connected with the prayer center. He's got other camps that are just as in love with him and just as on fire for revival as we are. It's just, it's a privilege and an honor and a, to be allowed these things, to seek him and him alone. It's not about us, our four, no more any, anymore. <laughs> yes, and that's why y'all stayed. I'm, I'm through, but we need to hear that song again. I'm just, uh, I'm going to go sit down. I'm, I'm through. I just need to spend time with him a little bit. So you'll be released and you're, when you feel a release, just stop and then we'll resume at 10 o'clock. Thank you.
let your fear come upon us. Let the awe of your presence come. Show us who you are. Show us who you are. Let your fear come upon us. The awesomeness of who you are. And we worship you. Your majesty.
wonderful. You're glorious. Our hearts long for more of you, Lord. More of you. More of you. More of you, Lord. More of you. Thank you. 